and mentorship is just such a lower, it just lowers the barrier to entry. I think it makes that first step, which is always just talking, asking for help, and airing out what you think is wrong or messed up, that's deep inside you that you don't want to share with anybody. It just makes that first step a little bit easier. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Lively Charleston podcast. Our goal with this show is to interact and tell the stories of the amazing people, places, and businesses that make Charleston the best city in the world. If you haven't already, Make sure to subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. And check us out on Instagram and Facebook where we post content regularly throughout the week. Hey everybody, it's Scott Kafka here with Lively Charleston Podcast. Once again, I have an amazing guest here from the Charleston area, grew up here, and he is here representing his nonprofit Quest in Recovery. Luke, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thank you for having me. No, absolutely. Thanks for being here. I uh, got a quick story for you guys. I was just kind of scrolling through Instagram one day and came across Quest in Recovery. I don't know how it showed up. Could be something that, you know, I'd been searching a lot lately. Um, I'd, I've done a lot of yoga. I've been, I, I got my 200 hour yoga certification last year. And so certain things like this have been popping up on my feed. And um, I just, from what I saw, I really needed to reach out to you. Something like called to me to reach out to you and and get you on here because i mean i love what you're trying to do so um i would love for everybody to kind of just learn more about it yeah. so tell me how you how did this all start for you yeah um so first of all quest is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we're uh, a young adult peer support community uh, and we really are providing a mentor program free recreational group rec recreational activities educational workshops and just fun things for young people to do that really just don't involve drinking and partying and going out. Right. But the whole point of it is to kind of build a continuum of support and community for young adults that are struggling with really any matter of recovery, whether it's mental health, you know, loss, um, just kind of struggling to figure it, figure it out and find your people, find your community. Um, and we're, we're starting our first student-led organization here at the college, which is where I went to school. So I grew up here, I grew up in West Ashley, went to the College of Charleston. Um, and in many ways, I just, I had a really blessed experience and beautiful life there but i struggled a lot in college during that time of my life where i think everybody expects that to be kind of like golden years the most carefree years of your life i don't know man i beg to differ honestly I, oh yeah i know that was the kind of ironic thing is that was when i actually hit my struggle hit kind of my bottom with depression um and and drinking and partying certainly didn't help with that mm -hmm. shocker alcohol is a depressant yeah <laughs> but really i was just trying to fit in and trying to figure out like i think every young person is um, but I had things in my past that really resurfaced during that time that I never dealt with. I never really had people to help me deal with. Um, so I come from a family that's really been affected and, and hurt by addiction and watching those struggles growing up uh, uh, via one of my siblings. I kind of went off in the other direction where I thought I had to be perfect at everything. I had to drive super hard. I had to be the best athlete, the best student. Um, mm -hmm. And I built up what I realize now is that many of these were just coping mechanisms, things that I use to kind of manage my own distress, my own despair, my own uh, not knowing what was going on and not feeling everything was okay. Uh, and so by the time I got to college, I was, I was so obsessive with things. So I would, if I got into something like I got into CrossFit in college, I was like 150% into that. Into that. You drank the Kool-Aid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, same thing with partying and same thing. But what happened is I, I would, when I would struggle and things would come up from my past and I was feeling, uh, battling depression, I would just isolate and I would never know who to talk to, never know where to go. Obviously, the college had resources, but when you're in it, you just feel so alone. Like, whatever your struggle is when you're in it, you just kind of want to be alone in it. 
I don't know why. That's just a natural tendency, I think, with, with the way our minds work. Right. Um, so I never really had anybody to reach out to until someone finally came to me in college and was like, I think you're struggling with depression. I think you're battling depression. And they just talked to me about it. And it was like the first right. day where I was just like, whoa, like, I'm not alone. Someone understands this. Someone gets this. I know what I'm dealing with. And that's really when I started begin to kind of do some healing work and, and just go on to my own little journey. Um, but it wasn't the last time I really struggled with a major depressive episode. I graduated college in Charleston in 2018, taught English abroad. I was moving abroad to Spain and I told myself, I was like, I'm going to marry a Spanish woman, never come back to Charleston. <laughs> I'll put yeah. all this stuff in my family and all this stuff in my past behind me. And uh, it just had a weird way of resurfacing and coming back. And I was uh, really, really uh, battling another major depressive episode when I was there in the winter. I think it was, it was a combination of things, but I was really missing my home and my family. And I kind of never, I never made amends with my, my sibling that battled addiction and didn't really have a great contact or relationship with them at the time. And, and I was lucky that my dad actually ended up coming over and visiting me and was there for me. And my dad's had a long, a long battle um, with depression as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just had a, a kind of powwow and emotional bonding experience through both of our struggles in a foreign country. And that was a really, it's weird to say this, but it was a really beautiful thing. It was a really beautiful thing to go into that kind of dark place with someone really close to me. And that's when I realized, wow, there's actually a lot of healing that comes about when you start to mend these relationships and talk about your struggles, Absolutely. especially with the people that are closest to you and that you've affected through it, that you've hurt the most through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And that's hard to do. It I is. mean, to really uh, sit next to someone or face to face with someone and just be like, this is how you made me feel, or this is what happened to me. And, you know, that's very, very difficult to do to have, have somebody there and to like go face to face and battle, battle that together because you don't know how they're going to receive it. Yeah. You know, especially intergenerationally, like between, I think about my parents' generation and like my dad's experience and my dad's experience with his dad and the way he was raised. It's so different. You know, we're so, we're in such a new time with this stuff and, and, and young people. And I'm, I'm always amazed too with the next generation, how open they are about it and how self-aware they already are. But it's like, I realized my parents were never taught that stuff. My parents never, they didn't grow up in the same milieu and the cultural around this mental health awareness and recovery awareness that I have. And to have those conversations with someone older than me and especially my parental figure, my dad, it's like we're, we're both coming from very different experiences with this. And it might not have been something that he ever had with his dad, but it was a beautiful thing that we had that chance and opportunity to kind of be there for each other and be in each other's kind of despair. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of strength in that going through something really hard and really challenging with someone, you know, that's yeah. where, that's where you really grow and you learn more about yourself. Yeah. Would you say, um, your dad is your idol or I, somebody you look up to? Yeah. I mean, he, I think, I mean, like I always wanted to, He's in an, in some way uh, lessen the burden that I think my dad felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching my older sibling, my brother, go through addiction battles, it was the hardest thing I know for my parents to watch. And I think as a middle child, I always wanted to look after my sister. I was driven to kind of resent and have all these spiteful feelings because of what I saw my older brother doing and going through because I didn't understand what was happening at the time. And I saw my parents really kind of it fractured. It really tore a hole in our family. As the middle child, and I'm such an empath, I just feel so much from people. I always wanted to kind of appease them and make them happy, make them proud. 
kind of the fixer that kind of fix things in the family. Um, but you know, you, you can't ever do that. And the best thing you can do is just kind of be yourself and, and be honest with your loved ones and the people around you. Um, so when I started opening up about my struggles with my family, it was like, it's beautiful. And I still have these conversations with my dad. It's like, that's what gives him purpose is looking after me, taking care of me. So yeah, my dad has always been in a way like my hero and someone I've looked up to, but so is my mom. And so is my brother who's, you know, in recovery now and is, is doing amazing things with his life. And, uh, you know, those are the people too, that have overcome those immense battles and deep, deep lows that are some of like my biggest inspirations in life. And they're, and they're just everyday people, you know, yeah. my, my brother is just an, everyday person but what he's gone through and the fact that he is alive and who he is is a miracle to me you know yeah he's my hero you know he's my hero for sure so you you've definitely mentioned that you know you were definitely you dove into crossfit and you felt uh growing up that you had to be this figure whether it be athletic or uh, a fathering figure or mentoring or whatever you need to do uh, to help your family and just to be this person right mm -hmm. And then what I'm finding in your quest and recovery is that you're you're taking out what you talked about earlier about how how so when you're depressed or you're going through something you want to you often feel alone and you have to take it on mm -hmm. by yourself. So what tell me more about how quest and recovery is opening that up, right? What uh, I know because what caught my eye is the surfing, the stand-up paddleboarding, the kayaking in groups. Tell me, tell me more about that and what that means to you and, and your organization. Yeah, and just to tie it into my kind of personal journey, as much as I went through those things really, really alone and felt really alone and right. at times were really, really low, I also had so many incredible people come around right, me. Right. Um, you know, people that were coaches, people that were just like early on mentors, people that I aspired to be people that I was just envious of in some way and I wanted to know how they had what they had. So I was always looking for mentorship and always looking for people that I could uh, connect with and, may and maybe just bond over something that was totally unrelated, a sport, you know, powerlifting, weightlifting, uh, surfing, you know. And so for me, recreation is this thing that kind of frees you of concern, that kind of gives you a chance to just be in the moment and enjoying what you're doing with the person you're with. Is, was such a beautiful thing. And at the root of that word recreation, and, and it's the same root as recovery, is to find again or to renew. So I've always thought that was a beautiful thing. You kind of renew what was already in yourself. You renew that that light, that spark, that, that love for life that you have. That's always there, it just gets covered up. So when I was starting Quest, uh, it started, at, at, well, it was a, kind of a long time in the making, but <laughs> I met this woman that directed a nonprofit. It was a recovery nonprofit. And she was working with people in addiction recovery through offering CrossFit classes. It's kind of as like a supplementary peer support group and, sure. and just offering them a chance to do CrossFit. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's like, you're taking something that I've done and that a lot of people do. And that's essentially kind of addictive. <laughs> people, are, people talk about CrossFit. You listen to them like, oh, you're kind of like an addict. <laughs> like, you, you have the same tendencies. <laughs> totally. And, I was like, that's brilliant. You're just switching one thing to like one addiction to a healthier addiction, yeah. or allowing people to find a way to channel that same compulsive or obsessive energy into something that's more like salubrious and healthy and life-giving. It's like, that's brilliant. And so we hosted a tennis tournament for her to fundraise for her nonprofit. And me and my mom organized this and my business partner at the time. And it was such a cool day because we had people come together to support this recovery nonprofit, but we did it over a sport, over a tennis tournament. And during that tournament, we had three people share the recovery stories. And this was like at a public tennis court, 
people that were just my friends, young people, old people, black people, white people, people that are in recovery, not in recovery. I was like, wow, there was something so powerful about taking something that's normally talked about, like recovery, addiction, mental health, suffering, something that's normally talked about kind of behind closed doors or in, in anonymous rooms and just bringing it out into the open. Mm-hmm. And I just realized, I was like, wow, so many more people are touched by this than I realized. You know, right. so many people, when one person suffers, it's a cast out effect and network effect of suffering that afflicts you know, people closest to them, people that are friends, family members, community members. And, and I just realized there was something really special about doing that over a sport or a recreation. So it dawned on me later, uh, I, I wanted to do something that kind of recreated that feeling that I had that day that, that gave people that sense of lift and hope and ease about their struggles and, and did it in just such an open way. And um, I found out a week later, though, that one of my good friends from college lost her partner to an overdose. And when that happened, I was just like, okay, like, I have to do something. You know, mm-hmm. he, was, he was 29 years old, same age as my brother at the time, and I was always so afraid I was going to lose my brother to an overdose. I was so afraid I was going to not have him in my life and never have a relationship with him. So when it happened, it was just like it blew the door open. Like I feel like everything that was happening in my life was just kind of knocks in the door. But then that was just like, all right, you're supposed to do something like this. So right. then I started to form a nonprofit and the, the basis of it was to help young adults, but doing it in group recreational ways by offering a fun mentor program that gives people, and not telling people what to do, not trying to change people or fix people, but you're just providing healthier alternatives and opportunities for them to grow and to better themselves in, sure. in community, like you said. Absolutely. And then you, you said the magic word um, that I want to highlight on young adults. Why young adults? Why do you think? Um, I mean, I have my own theories on things, but I'm, and, and I'm sure you do as well. Um, but kind of going back to your, you mentioning your father's era mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and generation, I probably fall on that. Yeah. Um, and I was just having a conversation with one of my good buddies this morning, like on my way here. And, you know, I was just thanking him for in, including me in this new men's group that I'm going to. Yeah. And he's just like, he's like, yeah, he goes, he goes, he's like, we are kind of the, the tail end of a generation that was supposed to, or like had in our heads that we had to cope alone. We had to mm-hmm. do it all alone. Yeah. You know, and that was, that was the manly thing to do. Right. Yep. Um, and then here we are now, sit several generations down the road, and social media plays. I can't imagine. I have these conversations with people all the time. I'm like, who are my age? I'm 52. I'm like, I can't imagine growing up with social media in my life and everything being recorded and put out there for everybody to see. Um, all the mistakes I made, all the great things I did, but mainly those, those mistakes and things like that that you've done. Yeah. So focusing on, on the young adults and, and you had to go through COVID as well. Yeah. So, I mean, is that, is that one of the, one of the things that you find that, uh, that people struggle with and want maybe one of a catalyst of yeah. or something like that or a thorn? I, well, young adults, it just made sense to me because I really looked around when I started kind of researching and thinking about doing some kind of nonprofit um, after that tennis tournament, I was like, there's not a lot of mentor programs and support once you're over 18. Like, mm-hmm. once you're 18 and up, you're kind of, like, on your own. Figure it out, what you just said. Like, you're the maker of your destiny. You're kind of a self-made man, a self-made person, whatever. It's a really liminal time. And what I mean by that is, like, it's a time of a lot of transition and in between. You're not quite an adult. You're not quite an adolescent. Like, if you're going to school, you're kind of in this time where a lot is thrown at you and a lot mm-hmm. of awesome things. But it can also be a lot of awful things. And it, 
it's a slippery slope. And I think without the support, without the structure, without the people, like the community, it can be a, it can be a, a terrible time for a lot of people. You get, that's when you can really fall into a lot of struggle. Um, and it's not everybody's story, but that was certainly mine. So I think I just had kind of a burning hole in my heart to, yeah. to try to provide and create something that I didn't have that I desperately needed during that time in my life. And then I also started doing research and, and every single study, um, I mean, this is stuff from like this, like SAMHSA, which does a lot of drug and alcohol, mental health studies, um, NAMI, almost all studies come back with the largest affected or most burdened demographic when it comes to self-harm, suicide, uh, substance use disorders, almost any mental illness is the young adult, the 18 to 12. 25 demographic mm -hmm. for guys. I think that extends even further. I don't think we quite grew up no. until we're a little later in our twenties, but I agree. I was like, there's something really curious about that. Why is that? And so I don't, I don't really have the answer. I do think it's just something to do with. It's a very transitional time where a lot can happen in your life and you're really kind of forming your core identity in your group. And when stuff gets hard, when things get thrown at you, when you develop unhealthy relationships with things that might lead to addiction or become addictive, that's that's where that can be a super slippery slope for people and i just again i realized there wasn't a lot of mentor programs and support programs for young adults yeah um what do you think why why mentorship over say therapy yeah that's a great question well one when you're a college student and you're of that age you don't have a lot of money <laughs> usually True. so that's why we're a nonprofit too i wanted to provide all these resources free and mentorship is just such a lower, it just lowers the barrier to entry. I think it makes that first step, which is always just talking and asking for help and airing out what you think is wrong or messed up or that's, that's deep inside you that you don't want to share with anybody. It just makes that first step a little bit easier. Like talking to a mentor. Like if I asked you who are your mentors in life, you probably could name quite a few in business and your personal life and, and maybe your spiritual life, your fitness life. We're very we're open to talking about mentors. Mm -hmm. We're still not quite comfortable talking about people as therapists or things that are therapy. But what's beautiful about recreation and things that we offer in Quest too is it doesn't have to be therapy. But it can be group recreation and things that you do together can be profoundly therapeutic. Yeah, and just having that one person to talk to. I think we underestimate just the value of that. Just having like when I had my struggles in college, I had one person that came to talk to me. One person that was like, hey. I you're struggling, but I'm here for you. And that was, that made all the difference. That was like a light bulb moment in my head. Yeah. Um, and it's so, so simple. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting, Luke, cause you're just like, Oh, I'm sure you have these, these mentors. And I'm like, honestly, Luke, I don't, isn't yeah. that crazy? I, I have, I have people that who are out here yeah, who are like, maybe I don't want to call them idols, but people who I looked up to who may have been famous or something like that. But honestly, I mean, yes, I had my father. I had my father, um, but I think I think it's just a generational gap. Maybe mm. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't have a ton of mentors, and that's an interesting thing, right? And I and I sympathize for that because I realized too, and that was the reason I included mentorship. And that's really like the heart of our program is just mm -hmm. mentorship. Having a mentor, guy or girl, whatever you need someone to talk to, just one person. A lot of people don't have that growing up. A lot of people weren't as fortunate as me to have incredible people that I just bumped into at the gym or met, you know, surfing or in college that just looked after me, you know. And, and the mentors aren't trying to change again or like fix anything in, with you. They're just there with you. They're, they're, right. they're able to listen and kind of see ahead of you and see the things that 
personally, they probably went through and they, they just want you to be aware of, you know, I think we all want to kind of shorten the learning curve of the next generation of the next person to make the next life, the next person, just their, their experience a little bit easier, a little more free of agony and suffering that we personally went through. And that's, mm-hmm. what's really, really beautiful about any recovery process is once you go through it yourself, once you've kind of been through that fire and you've hit that bottom and you found a way out, like you just, the, the best thing to do is give it to the next person. Yeah. It's just proven too, like giving service, charity, it does so much for ourselves. It does so much for our own personal, you know, wealth and well-being. Yeah, for Which sure. Is paradoxical. <laughs> yeah. And, and mental health can be looked at. I don't know. It's so interesting because I was like, uh, you were coming here today and I'm just like, oh, man, mental health can be a pretty deep subject. Yeah. You know, it can be very deep. And I'm just like, how I go, how do I approach this? I'm, I'm going to because I yeah. want to really like open things up for people. You know, I want to help you open people's minds to it because I don't, it's not this dark thing all the time. It can be beautiful. You can flip the switch. How are you saying like, you know what? Mm-hmm. It was a very hard time, but it's a gift. It was a gift for me. You know, you've, you've made it. Once you get to that other side or have somebody help mentor you through it, it, it can be looked at in such a wonderful way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we have, you know, so many different things you have. Uh, of course, activities, right? You're saying doing something athletically, get your body moving, things like that. But also things like the mind. You said you're super interested in poetry, that you're like mm. a, uh, a romantic, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And that, that struck a chord with me. Who is, who is one of your favorite poets or writers these days? Yeah, I mean, recently someone that I've really kind of gained, a lot, like when I talk about like my love of poetry, reading, writing, it's like, it fills me up spiritually. It fills me up with something that is like an inner strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Lamont is, is someone that I've recently kind of discovered and just heard speak at the uh, mental health conference here. And she is incredible. Wendell Berry has always been one of my favorite poets and he's kind of a naturalist, environmentalist farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's so many, I was just draw a lot of inspiration from words and and if you think about it it's such a beautiful simple thing like the fact that we have the fact that we can do this right now communicate our feelings and stuff that's inside here and in my head that comes out of my mouth and verbalizes and goes into your head and and emotes this you know response or creates this reaction in us is beautiful it's like this this beautiful chemistry that we have with each other through something as simple as a written or a spoken word so I've always drawn a lot of inspiration from that. And that's what's so beautiful about getting to share people's stories through this nonprofit and through Quest is we ask people to share their stories and we're doing a fundraising campaign and a recovery awareness campaign next month that is essentially just that, share, allowing people to share their stories and kind of tell their life through their words. And that is such a beautiful but simple thing if you think about it because yeah. no one knows your life like you do. No one knows your experiences unless you want to talk about them, unless you want to share them. And that is kind of like your truth. I tell people like your story is your truth and you can tell it however you want. It can be, it can, you can emphasize all those negative things and those dark things. Right. And, but that's a crucial part of your story, but then it can also come and create this kind of beautiful life that you have now, or it, it takes you from that dark place to this, this light place. And I think the bridge through that is our stories, our words, our mm-hmm. ability to communicate with each other and be there for each other. One of my favorite writers or books of all time is When Breath Becomes Air. And I read that over COVID. Uh, kind of had like a weird introspective time during COVID. And um, the author is a doctor who becomes kind of the pinnacle neuroscientist, the dream career he always wanted. And then he gets diagnosed with cancer and finds out he's, he's going to die in less than a year. 
So he ends up writing a memoir, which he always kind of wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And so he writes a book about dying, but really how dying and death taught him how to live. And he says a beautiful quote in it. He said, a word only meant something between people. And life's meaning or virtue had something to do between the depth of relationships we form. But that, that word, that ability to be there and to communicate and understand each other, to see each other, that's such a simple thing. But we forget that. You know, We forget how much it means to allow someone to share their story with you or share what's in their heart or share what's, what's troubling them. Um, and we're getting to do that over a campaign for the next 30 days in September, which is going to be a huge honor. So, yeah, I just draw a lot of inspiration and writers. And like when I think about my childhood, like Jack London was like my favorite writer and his books like opened the world of the natural world to me. And it just like made me it made me fall in love with something. Right. And to fall in love with something is such a beautiful thing because then you protect it and you labor for it. Um, so, yeah, words and writers and poetry has always been special to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I think it's cool because there's a correlation uh, at least when you were speaking here right now, I was like, oh, you know, we're talking about exercise, how that brings into the body. But words, you know, bring people together as well, you know? Yeah. And, it's and, not always and that's, at least that's what I'm getting from you right yeah. now. I was like, oh, there's the physical and then there's words that bring in the emotional. Yeah. You know? And um, so tell me more about, you know, when you're going on these um, safaris, you know, what can somebody expect, um, by going on one of those sup safaris, kayaking safaris and, and you're all in a group together. Tell me, tell me what goes on there. Yeah. So we're, we're organizing a campaign next month, which is going to be a storytelling campaign to raise recovery awareness and September is recovery awareness month for us. Recovery isn't just substance use related. It's also people that have gone through, you know, mental illness, struggles, uh, loss, grieving, traumatic loss, uh, people who have lost loved ones to substance use disorders, and then also people that have personally struggled with addiction. Um, so we're taking people from our community, 30 storytellers, out on the river, Folly River, to paddleboard and kayak, but also share their stories in an interview kind of like this. We have a, an amazing PBS filmmaker who's doing edits of the stories, and every day of the month we're sharing one of those storytellers, their recovery journey, via our social media and their network. Um, what's cool is they're going to be able to fundraise through their own campaign page for Quest. So it's kind of like a GoFundMe for us. And they share their story to their peers and their network. But every day of the month of September, we're also taking anybody in the community that just wants to come out and support out on Folly River to either paddleboard or kayak. So that's why we're calling a row for recovery awareness. And uh, the campaign title is one day at a time. So the idea of recovery, and this is very common in a lot of recovery groups and communities, is just one day at a time, making it one day at a time focusing one day at a time you know yeah. it's not you're never going to be this you know <laughs> you're never going to achieve this amazing thing if you don't just take it one day at a time right. you know one step one more step forward right and that's yeah. really all we can do with anything mm-hmm. just be present do things that, that we can do right now and just really be in this moment with each other so the the whole campaign and the, and the paddle is going to be really symbolic because we're on a river and we're rowing together so anybody can come out and support um, we'll have people in our community paddling every day. I'll be paddling every day and doing a personal challenge of a mile every day, plus a mile. So by the end of the campaign, it's a, it's a 30 mile paddle, which oh, is, wow. which is going to suck. <laughs> but I think it's also good to do things that you're afraid of and that suck, you know, exactly. teaching yourself that you can do hard things and, and life gets hard. So it's all kind of symbolic to recovery. So, yeah, definitely. Well, where can everybody find you? Where can they, uh, follow, uh, you the best, um, where can they, you know, join in? Yeah. So for the campaign and any sign up for that, they can go to questandrecovery.org and it's right on our website homepage. It'll pop up and say, sign up to row. 
Um, anybody can join that again if you're 18 and if you're under 18, you got to bring a parent, parent or guardian with you. Um, but anybody can join. We have up to 20 paddleboards, kayaks. If you're interested in coming to any of the events that we host in the future, um, our focus is going to be really our first student-led organization at the college this year. But we'll still do free community events to raise awareness, to raise money for Quest as a nonprofit, um, to just get people together. So that can be on our Instagram, which is Quest and Recovery. So awesome. Quest and Recovery. Right where Instagram. I found you. Yep. And questandrecovery.org. Fantastic. And for everybody, uh, when he says the college, it's the College of Charleston. Yes. Now, are there any other uh, campuses you're looking to to kind of open up on? Yeah. We, we got a chance to speak to the Citadel last year for a mental health and suicide awareness day there. And that was a really big honor. But I want this to kind of grow organically. And so wherever there's a need and there's an inspiring, aspiring student that is like, I want to start this on my campus. I want to be that leader for others. I want to be that peer for others. That's really the model. That's the goal is to give our resources, our program, our platform really to the students for yeah. them to support each other, for them to make this something really awesome. Cool. Cause they're the ones in it. There's the ones experiencing it. They're the ones growing through it. Sure. But I also think they have the answers, you know, and I think they can be there each other's guardians in a way and each other's mentors. So if we grow organically, I, I hope it grows first in Charleston, but then I don't really see this having any limits. It could be at any college. I agree. So Luke, what do you tell me, you know, what do you see young people struggling with the most? Yeah. So, I mean, I've only been doing this work for not even a year. Our nonprofit's really brand new, but what I witnessed and what I personally kind of experienced during my time of struggles is this like really this sense of isolation, this profound loneliness, uh, and, but now I see it just on a, such a bigger scale and with so many more people and su such younger people too. Um, it's so easy to just get wrapped in your own little world. I mean, we have social media that just kind of, I mean, balloons everybody's egos and, and can just get you stuck in this own little world um, of just self-serving stuff, you know, mm -hmm. just like your own narrative. And Yeah, well, uh, it, almost, it isolates you. You think that you're out in the world yeah. right? and you're scrolling, you're scrolling and you and you maybe feel like you're out in the world, but you're just, you're really alone. Yeah. You're just there by yourself with your own thoughts. And then the other thing I was going to say is, 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 is this lack of kind of just general connection people have to others around them. I think after COVID too, there's this kind of paranoia, this angst that has stuck with people where we were kind of distrusting of each other. We, we don't have that same trust in each other. And this isn't to say everybody, but I just noticed a profound switch kind of happened in COVID. And I think that left kind of a wound that we're all still kind of recovering from. And isolation is, is a dangerous thing. And I don't think we realize how profound and negative the consequences of the health consequences of isolation. You may not be struggling with something as severe as a you know, an heroin addiction. But when you isolate, when you're struggling with anything, we're just not meant to live like that. We know that it takes years off your life. It's also just profoundly disconnecting you feel like you're so alone you're, you're not able to reach out for help and it's just it's the u.s surgeon uh, general named it actually they had to pick um uh, basically like an advisory or a focus for their term um and he picked uh loneliness as his focus for america so wow. loneliness as he calls it is an epidemic in america and i feel that i feel that's true I see that with some people and I see that with, uh, I felt that with myself when I struggled and it's a dangerous thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so having anybody to talk to any community to go to for support, you know, any program to, to dive into any, any healthy activity to go to, to just build up support and community is worth, is worth it. You know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah.
All right, guys. Well, um, hopefully somebody, some students in mm-hmm. you know other areas see this and want to and reach out to you and and want to join in because I mean I think it's a fantastic uh, organization. So yeah, Luke, you, thank you once again for being out here. Everybody, Luke Shirley, Quest in Recovery. Follow him. You know, go out there, paddle with him, do all the things. Uh, that I know I'm going to. So thank thanks so much for being yeah, here, bro. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it Absolutely. Hey, y'all, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thanks so much for watching. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to like or follow or subscribe, whatever platform you're on, just hit the button to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Yep, and please help us grow the channel by sharing it with someone else who might enjoy it as well. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.